Today is the second episode of our two episodes recorded at the Boxwood Festival in Queenscliff on a beautiful Bellarine Peninsula. There we go. <laughs> and today's guest is um, an extraordinary fiddle player, Rob Zelensky. I, as you'll know, if you listened to last week's episode, we spent a Saturday night uh, of the Boxwood Festival um, hanging around the house where all the musicians hang out. And in one room, uh, Rob was was leading, leading a session, actually. He was kind of in the session. And uh, boy, that his playing is like incredible. And you see him in amongst other people, and he's so um, he's so humble, and he's so uh, generous in mm-hmm. his in his presence. You know what I mean? And the way that he plays, I guess, around other people, and just to hear him, even standing at the door as I was, was amazing. So I'm really think, excited about today's episode, which yeah. Darren recorded on his own. So I actually, um, yeah. So it's just it's just a real treat yeah I think standing outside that same room that you were standing at and listening in too I know I'd been talking to Rob during the day so I was familiar with his tone but it was so distinctive to hear his I'm calling it tone and I, I'm again I think I'm very much a novice when it comes to this I'm still learning the ropes but I'm, his playing and being in his presence really was a learning on on tone, I could really sit and then listen to him later on play, and I was starting to appreciate some of the things we spoke about later on. So, look, let's um, do some admin before we get in. Uh, last week we spoke about the importance of letting the episode run without having an ad in the middle of it, and we're not the only people who who appreciate that. We've had a, we we get a lot of back and forth with with listeners who really appreciate um, the sort of intensity of the experience. We got a we got a note about. An early episode with Beth McCracken from someone in Canada, a listener in Canada, and it was such a, a lovely appreciation of Beth McCracken's playing. But it, it really kind of struck home to me that the preciousness of having uninterrupted time yeah. talking and listening um, with these musicians. So, so that's what we're trying to do, and it's only possible because of the support of our patrons. So, if you're a patron, thank you, and if you're not, um, we would love you to go over to Patreon.com forward slash Blarney Pilgrims and become a patron at whatever level suits you. That's I, I just want to say thank you too to anyone that has shared our episodes in the last few weeks um, that has really helped um, spread the word and get it out there. So keep that going if you can. And just another thing I, I thought I'd say to anyone that's listening for the first time, I spend a lot of time looking at who is listening to this as in like where in the world people are listening. And there's people coming on all the time from different parts of the world who are dropping in these episodes are completely new so there's no context go back if you enjoy this one there are a there's almost a year's worth of content and every one of them has something amazing to offer so go back and have a listen it's a lot of cracking stuff in there if i do say so myself i know and yeah. we do say so ourselves so anyway let's get into today's episode rob Zelensky. enjoy Thank you. 
Rob Zelensky, thank you so much for being on the Baloney Pilgrims. You're very welcome. Mate, that blew my brains off. I actually took my cans off while you were playing. I don't know if you would have seen, but I took them off just to listen to you. Right. Thank you so much. So what was what, what was that we heard? Um, so there were a couple of tunes from Mick Doherty that um, there was the 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 uh, Black Mare of Fanad and the Yellow Heifer. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah. So w- w- when and where did you end up getting into this? Well, I grew up in Perth, Western Australia, and... Well, my, my first introduction to the fiddle was when we were camping and I heard someone playing it um, in a bush band. Yeah, well, okay. We have bush bands, you know, out here. And, uh, and I, so I started nagging my parents for one, and my, but my granddad uh, played the fiddle back in Poland. Right. So after about a year of nagging, he brought up a, a small, tiny fiddle. I would have been about eight, I think. And my neighbour was a fiddle player up in the hills above Perth, a yeah. guy called Eddie Lowe. So he then brought me to 2J Folk Festival and uh, a lad, a fellow called Sean Doherty, who was from Charlestown in Mayo, he taught nearly everyone out in Perth, was playing on the street. So what, what age are you at this stage? Just so I, have I was 10. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And so... And that's how I met the Irish community in Perth. So, you know, they're, they're great. There was a flute player from Loch Grey, a harpist from Dublin, um, a piper, there was a banjo player, you know. But um, Sean Doherty was telling me about a great fiddle player who lived down in Rockingham, which is about an hour south of Perth, a guy called Mick Doherty. But he took uh, a couple of years of coaxing for before I finally met Mick and um, I met Mick in Sean's house at a session that he'd set up so um, and Mick I remember we, we hit it off immediately you know yeah. that kind of that kind of thing and he played he played um, he he put me through my paces first so I hadn't heard him you know yeah as the <laughs> so were you playing for a little bit before you met him yeah I was playing um, well, this I met him when I was 12, mm-hmm. 12 years, twelve years old. And uh, but then, when Mick played, he played a simple jig, and that's the first time that I, you know, heard the fiddle, yeah. and it's you know what it could do. So that uh, sort of blew my mind, you know. So up to that point, you were playing more the bosh band. No, I was style? playing traditional Irish music. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then, when you say the, what was the major? What, what struck you as the biggest difference? Um, between the, the, the what you'd heard Mick play that day. Ah, uh, well, well, you see, um, Mick. The thing with Mick was that that struck you was the tone that was coming, the sound that was coming out of the fiddle, and the freedom that he had, and it was, you know, the the wildness in it. If you, <laughs> yeah, so it's sort of. <laughs> well, that's one I, I, I'm probably end up going to jumping straight into something a bit deep here, but mm. is that. Was that mixed style, or is that indicative of that Donegal? Because I know, uh, doing my research, I know he's mm. from Donegal, right? Yeah. Well, his um, uncle is um, was Johnny Doherty, the travelling fiddle player, and Mickey Doherty, and his grandfather was a, a man called Mickey Moore, and um, Mick's dad was a man called Huey Doherty, um, and that's an interesting tale because, um, well, Huey Doherty died quite young before they recorded him, so, you know, sort of around the age of forty. 
so they recorded um you know mick mickey and johnny and there's some also some recordings of simon and i'm not sure if charlie i don't think charlie got recorded i don't know no he would have no he didn't um but uh so yeah mick that whole family had a you know very distinctive style even um within Donegal I guess yeah okay like they were they were they were the kind of the, the style and because they have been traveling from one uh, safe house to the next you know the history of it going and they became the the route that they used to take and they carried on those can you can you tell me about that? well they were they sort of from my very limited you know um, knowledge of this yeah, right. <laughs> I'm probably the wrong but they they took they took to the roads as wanted Ben back in the rebellion um, and so they went from one safe house to the next and they the McSweeney's and the and the Doherty's in particular. Um, this is what Mick told me, mm-hmm. and those um, connections you imagine in those houses, they they carried them on way past in. They carried them right up to the present day of Johnny, yeah. who was the last man who was travelling that that circuit. So there were tinsmiths um, by day and fiddle players by night. So that they'd have a um, a bag on the the left hand side with all the the tinsmith equipment and they'd go to a town and next town and they'd fix all the pots and make new ones and really uh, Mick used to say a lot of the time that they used that as an excuse just to get them to the town to, to play the fiddle for the dance <laughs> yeah. which was the real reason they were in town you know yeah. but they um, and Mick's father was um, was settled and Johnny was the last to keep he had the the wagon you know and all that not not the wagon the cart yeah right uh, for a while to the markets but he mostly walked the roads as in that documentary you know the fiddler on the road yeah so which yeah. is yeah. it's on youtube which is made by rt sometimes it was probably like the 80s was it yeah it? fantastic yeah. watch it's yeah. split up into four little pieces and yeah. you get a great insight into the kind of character he was but yeah. also the setting of where he was traveling amazing i love that idea of those that the, the traveling the traveling player because because it was fact all else going on in your community probably yeah and for for someone to come in like that and it's funny you hear you mentioned but you said that Mick's style was free it was it was a hmm. it's funny I was, so Dominic who is normally with me on the podcast in one of the previous episodes he was speaking with a um, a woman called Tracy McKay and they were talking about the CD called um, The Brass Fiddle. Yeah. yeah. And I hadn't, I hadn't really listened to it. And since that interview, I've gone to delve in and kind of trying to find out what that Donegal style is. And it's so funny that you would say he was free and had this energy to it because what I got from it, well, A, first it reminded me of more that Appalachian style, Tommy Gerald, Fred Cochran type mm-hmm. playing. And I think that's more to do with the atmosphere rather than the, the, the yeah. songs but either the, the tunes themselves like sure. it has a it's kind of like punk it's a bit like fuck yeah. you but it's it's yeah. awesome yeah. Like, that's why it's awesome yeah, yeah. like it's a, I don't know that's, that's how it hit me is that similar for it, I mean, yeah for sure well what um, a few uh, the thing I think that hit me was um, you know obviously uh, mixed character you know but also 
it's the thing of the way I describe it is the notes sort of sizzling in the, on the fiddle you know it's gone beyond intonation so you, you can play the set notes but then you've there's no um, set point to the start of the note and no exit point and it's just sort of you Where know you yeah it's all, it, it. it's pure music yeah. and doing things like you know traveling up through notes um, then you make it slightly sharp as you get to the top and creating tension and then falling down and all these mad things that you yeah you're not well maybe you're not supposed to do them in but but that's why it well, works right yeah that's, yeah, yeah. i love that explanation that kind of i'm i yeah. get a deeper understanding when you say that particularly when you say that kind of running up yeah. pushing it as far as you can or maybe even going a little early on things just to yeah you know, i suppose it is that energy the tension not energy it's, it's, yeah and, and mick was a great dancer so he had this um an amazing capacity to lift the tune you know and 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 also um people people have seemed to well quite a few people think in Donegal music there's um, a lot of speed but Mick could play through all the gears you know Um, as in for example um, this was we me and him used to go around playing various places and we got invited to this house and it was full of students (laughs) and that in in Australia you know in in Perth and they'd uh, I guarantee that I'd say they'd never heard a jig or a reel before yeah. in their life. And so we just sat down in the corner where we're here now, we play a few tunes. And Mick was a master entertainer, you know, from that whole family. He just read the room and knew what to play when. Yeah. So he, like, he'd play one blistering reel, very short, and he might play a couple of waltzes, a uh, simple jig, uh, a couple of highlands, then a couple of reels and you know a march and mix it up with just the right amount of gap between you know for, with the the chat and all that and 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 those that room was there was a lot of people there and they sat there for three hours and and didn't leave and he was you know he was hardcore trad music he, so he had he just had the something in it what do you think he saw in, in you because it, it was a spark from day one yeah totally um well, that's a good question i think i think um you know it's, it's a funny thing when you meet another musician where you just sort of connect with them you know immediately and particularly if it's your instrument then you you know you kind of you understand because it, it would take a certain type of makeup of a person to do that thing mm-hmm. so you're obviously going to connect on many levels yeah. and I, I that's what i i mean we used to music was only something that we did um like sometimes we'd just play put on coleman or you know or, or put on johnny or listen to a record or mick used to um, buy and sell fiddles so right. he was always fixing up fiddles and I was interested in that, or we'd go fishing, or we, um, or we might play a tune when we felt like it. So it wasn't um, there were there weren't any lessons, and he very rarely showed you anything um, in that kind of way. So it's just copying, yeah. and playing along. So he's in Rockhampton. He was in Rockingham. Rockingham, yeah. right. so and so that wouldn't have been overly easy as a teenager to. No. To, to uh, well, 
yeah, to tell you to tell you kind of the the draw that he had on me, I used to ride my bike down there and, and back. Wow. So with the the fiddle on the on yeah. the back, you know. So it was it it, it was um it, the whole time I was listening to him, he'd always surprise you. He always come up with something, and you never you never knew. Every time he played a tune, it was different, slightly different, you know, or or could be wildly different, depending on what he was mood he was in, or um, and he yeah, he was, he was just well when he was growing up from right from when he was born his house was full of music can you imagine the you know, head start that that someone like that had on people like us yeah. you know and but so what, so did he grow up in Ireland? he grew up in the the yeah the spout yard in bali buffet mm-hmm. and um he's so he's going back to his grandfather mickey moore he was supposed to be an amazingly powerful fiddle player you know and um with a absolutely ferocious bow arm just incredible for you know um, for yeah he could thunder out tunes as Mick put it (laughs) kind of a superhero type of thing Um, so he Mickey Moore um, loved um, Mick's dad's playing because he said Mick's dad Huey was the all round package and that he had he had the ferocity but he also had the sweetness Mm -hmm. And he could so he could play airs, and then he could thunder it out, you know. So he was sort of the fool, and he could go sweet, and he could go hard, and you know, yeah. all that. And so when Mick came along, um, reading between the lines from what Mick was telling me, um, Mickey Moore recognised something in Mick that, and, and I know from listening to Mick that Mick was sort of the full package of a fiddle player. Yeah. And he had this finesse, but it was this class, you know, but it was wild. And yeah, yeah, it was contradiction all the time. For me, just so I can kind of hmm. place it in time a, a bit too. So yeah. speaking earlier on, you said Mick passed away four uh, years ago. Yeah. And he, yeah. he was 88? He was 90. 90, right. Yeah. Yeah. So when he was, he was living in Ireland in, at the start of the century essentially yeah, and, yeah. That's, and he was then learning from his dad and his uncle that's right but Mickey Moore um, recognised in Mick and what he did um, was he, he was an old man at this stage and, and Mick was only a young fellow and he used to just slightly clamp him between his knees um, and play the fiddle over the top of him next to the fire to get all the music into his head yeah. so uh, Mickey Moore passed away when Mick was eight but by the time, you know, as Mick got older, he was reverting back to his earliest memories, as happens. So he could tell you how Mickey Moore played, how he bowed, and he had all that music already in him by the time I'd even started. See, I think that's yeah, a special no. character in, in the first place. I know you say we all kind of revert back and remember, but at eight, to remember the nuance of, of bowing techniques and sounds... I, my personality, I don't think, has that. Well, no distractions, no, mm. um, you know, um, no um, very little man-made sounds, yeah. uh, no internet. Yeah, it was really <laughs> special. Actually, you know yeah. what, if you take it, like there's other things that were probably in all our lives when we were really young, you can remember the details because yeah. they were so standard. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And I re- yeah, and you imagine, yeah, if you think about your granddad, you know, you would, you'd, 
very much remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So that that became um, very interesting. Um, well, I, I was with Mick and Sean the whole time. Sean learned a lot from Sean Doherty too, who's a Mayo man. Mm. And um, I kept learning off him until I was 17, and then I went out to Ireland. So when you were learning, so you make your kind of osmosis, you were, hang, you were spending time with them, and that's how you were extracting mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Was Sean teaching you, or did you ever have a teacher mentor? Um, oh, so it sounds like one was a mentor anyway, so yeah. he was definitely a mentor, yeah. a teacher. Yeah, he, yeah, he was. Um, well, Sean, Sean had um, taught lessons, but he... He he, t- he told me this. He he figured out early on that that wasn't you know going to work with me for some reason. <laughs> Go on. And so he tried um, very early on to get me to read music all of ten minutes, and he realised that you know that's this guy's not wired that way or whatever. And he had the you know it's a, it's a very good teaching the foresight not to not to push it um, for. And so he, we just used to play. So he, he didn't, he'd just play a tune and I'd play with him. Every Friday night I'd go down to Sean's and then the weekend I'd go down to Mix a lot of the time. Yeah. So he'd, um, we'd do, you know, um, yeah, we'd just play tunes for um, an hour and that was sort of the lesson. Great. Yeah. That's clever for someone to lock into your... Very clever. Yeah. That's that's a that's a that's a great teacher. Someone who can tailor it to mm-hmm. you know. I, I don't think there's yeah. many of them no. around. And he's taught a lot of people yeah. over out, out west. Um, yeah. Are you still with us? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you think we could have another tune? Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you want another one to mix? Or? Yeah, why not? I think I yeah. think let's do it. Okay. Um, do you have one in mind? Um. Well, here's a couple of um, old tunes that um, don't get heard much now. The corn rigs, and we don't have a name on the second one, but Mick called it Mickey Moore's March. So we we're talking about Mickey Moore. Yeah. And what do you call it? A corn rig. Corn rigs. So it's a dance, actually. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I, it's actually a new term. I haven't heard that before. Do, mm. do you know what? Can you? I I I don't. It's just. It's just. A, is it a time signature? Or is it a? Well, it, it's. Um, or type of dance. Type of dance. Yeah. It's the type of dance that they used to do in the house dances. Yeah. You know? yeah. Thanks, Robert. Cool. But the tune's called that too.
Rob, that was incredible. Thank you so much. Um, while you were playing that, <laughs> I feel embarrassed. I, I pretty much <laughs> just before this trampled through what I thought of Donegal music, and that I would say was just that was so sweet. Ah, um, is that mixed style? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was um, one of the sweetest players that I know, um, right down through all the old players that I knew right down through the country, you know. Yeah. Um, I would say if I had, you know, Mick, yeah, Mick had uh, amazing, what well, he did, he had an amazing tone. Um, but, yeah, that's the funny thing, that people have have got a misconception that maybe that Donegal music is doesn't have that, but mm. it's it's full of it, all through the players, all up through Donegal, James Byrne. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's, it's funny again it, it may come down to uh, it's something I was I was speaking with again Don about this it, it's funny it, it could that conception of it being a particular type of sound could come down to the two or three recordings that just happen to be passed around and become popular and then that, it's very easily to categorise it's like that's the sound yeah yeah it'll be yeah, I mean, that's happened all over the country, hasn't it? One one major player in the district and then that player has been recorded and that's possibly then become, you know, that's the star. That would be yeah. a huge element of that. Yeah. Just before the tune, you, you mentioned Ireland, but I'd like to actually just stay at home before before we yeah. did that and just kind yeah. of find out about your, hmm. your family life. So with mum and dad... So your dad was Polish. He's um, he was born in England. Okay. Uh, he came out here as um, probably a twenty-year-old. Uh, my granddad's Polish, mm-hmm. and so he um, he was in the war and then um, was in England. And then after England, um, they were sort of told to go back to Poland, but Poland was a pile of rocks, as you can imagine. <laughs> so they were working. He was working in the absolute, you know. The, the boiler maker at the bottom of the pit in a, you know, a, a mod, a, an above ground version of hell, if you like, yeah. and he had eleven kids, right, in Yorkshire. And one day they he came back and he was just like, when the ten pound passage came in, I'm out of here. Like, yeah. What, what was he like? Is my, he still with us? Uh, no, no, okay. a long time. My granddad? No, you, you, your dad. Oh, oh my dad's um, here. Yeah. Did well, you know your granddad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know. So what, what was he like? Uh, he was a worker. Like um, Polish people are very determined people, as they um, and they they've got a their their work. Yeah. And he was very, uh, I would say, straight and to the point. And you know, he'd tell you, you knew, always knew where you stood, which was great. Um, but uh, he, yeah, he's a very very nice man. In fact, but um, his dad was apparently a very good violinist. So my granddad was a sort of um, he played, mm-hmm. but after the war he was like, I don't want, to, I, I can't go there. I'm not doing that anymore. But he, he, when I went back to Poland, visited my cousins. They they told me that his dad was a, a good player. Yeah. So and he gave it away after the war. Yeah, I mean, he's sort of like. You know that whole story. You just go enough. Just draw a line, and then new world, really? old world, new world. Yeah. yeah. Do you think is that a, was that a personality trait, or is that something you think a lot of people did? 
I think a lot of people did that. Some people go the opposite way, mm. you know, and they, they but some people do the shutdown. You know, who knows? Yeah. yeah. So then, yeah, on to your dad. So sorry, your dad is still with us. Yeah. And yeah. um, so what, he's um, he hasn't he never took music. He was quite a good. He he mucked around on the piano quite a lot. Yeah, he was okay. pretty good at it, but he never pursued it. You know, he's he's a musical guy, and um, but he's very left-handed. So back then, if you're left-handed, that heavily left-handed, you didn't learn. You know, yeah. didn't learn about it. So he just persevered, which he, he persevered. Yeah, he did. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about mom? She is uh, no. She doesn't play music. But my two, her brothers, two brothers, they're um, they're full time musicians. They're guitarists. Oh, right. okay, okay. Yeah. And her background? Well, she's English as well. Yeah. And so before her, my mum's side goes back to Scotland and um, Ireland and the Shetland Islands actually, yeah. um, and Brittany. So it's sort of all those countries. Then on my dad's side, obviously, is the Polish side. Mm-hmm. So did, was you, your mum came over from England uh, yeah. quite young? Or yeah, was she, she came know? over when she was about 20 as well. Okay. Yeah. And was that for... Uh, the, well, her parents had moved out on the £10 passage as well. And, was and so she followed. Yeah. Dad followed and he followed and she and followed. Always in Western Australia is where they spent most of their time? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And do you have a big family with siblings? I I've got um, I've got um, two brothers and three sisters. You're right, and uh, how many of those are, have taken to the? Uh, n- n- none of them play. No, music. you're the only one. But having said that, my brother in Albany, in Western Australia, is probably he doesn't play anything, but he's probably the best musician that I know. <laughs> right. If he did play music. Yeah. Well, that's a bit of a funny thing to say. But yeah, so if, if, if ever I've got a, what do you think of this, I ask him and he, he nails it straight away and tells you why in his own language. Is this the body you spoke about on your, um, yeah. But, oh, yeah. What the name of the record is. What's the name of your record? The oh, the day dawn. The day dawn. Oh, sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I just re- reading on your website. It has oh, involved yeah, and yeah, kind of said, "Look, yeah. why don't you go back through all the things? Maybe you, you should tell the story because you know it better." Oh, than the, the, about the the day dawn record is mm-hmm, it? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I was trying to make. Well, I wasn't um, really trying, but I had several attempts at making an album, and it always uh, thought it fell short. You know that it was it wasn't really. There wasn't anything there really that was going to add anything to, you know, to anything. <laughs> um, so, but so I recorded bits and pieces over the years, going back from Ireland to 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 now. And my brother had the idea. He said, "Why don't you go back through all the, those recordings and pick the tracks that you're happy with them." And I actually hadn't kept any of those recordings, but I'd luckily given them to some friend or something, and I managed to get them all. So were they just scattered back. around on hard drives and discs? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible. Yeah, yeah mostly CDs, discs. How long was that process? Um, it took me about a year to put that together, yeah. at least. And then I, I did an initial... Uh, print run of it and I wasn't still wasn't that happy with it and so I since rehashed it and done it exactly done it exactly how I want and I'm yeah. about 
to reprint it. Well, I suppose the big question is, what does Brian think of it? Um, <laughs> he, he likes it. Like, you now he says, it's solid, solid music. And um, it, it kind of, over time, I kind of let myself off the hook and that, you know, um, it is what it is and it's not really anything to do with me sort of a thing. Yeah. And that timeline helped me to actually get something out, you know. And that it wasn't well. It's I kind of am okay with it because it's historical, whatever it is. Yeah. And mix on it, and yeah, he's lilting a tune on it. Oh, really? Yeah. I look forward to listening to it. Yeah. Uh, so with Ireland, right? So you're 17. You've yeah. been playing for a while. Yeah. What was your What was your your move to Ireland like? Is it, it you went on your own? Did you? Yeah. So 17 is quite young. Yeah, it didn't actually phase me in any way. I was kind of just a young fellow going, you know, and I arrived in Ireland and it was, to me, it was like an, sort of another suburb of where I was. Is that, that because age? you were just so <laughs> entrenched in the Irish community and um, Maybe. Because I, I don't know, that seems quite, that's a, it's a bold move. Yeah, but back, that was 91, and what I found was that people just, were looking back they were amazing you imagine a young fellow rides from the other side of the planet with a fiddle you're gonna you're gonna kind of look out for yeah, yeah and so they were just amazing and it just one thing led to the other and i just followed it you know and i didn't really know what was going on yes yeah. when oh rob you don't want to go there come here with us stay with us how long did you think you were going for um i thought i was going for two months or three months and i stayed for 14 years <laughs> yeah right <laughs> Because I was going to ask you, was it a big goodbye? Was it like, a, I'll see you in a few years, to everyone back home? It was just, I'll be back in a few weeks. No. <laughs> so what was the problem? What happened that kept you? Well, I had a, it's a funny story. I had a, um, I only had a few tapes when I was growing up. One was uh, Michael Coleman. I used to listen to Michael Coleman. Um, early, early Sean Maguire and um, Huey Gillespie, Caloran and those guys, you know, um, Lando Byrne. But I had my favourite tape was Paddy Canny and, and PJ Hayes and Patrick Lachlan, Bridie Lefty on the piano. And so I, funnily enough, when I was growing up, I didn't, even though I was going down to Mick, I didn't play in the Donegal style. I, I don't know what style I played in, I just kind of played and again Mick sort of left me alone you know he's like find your own method it's just we just played which was very um, interesting from his he realised that just leave the kid alone you know so when I got to Ireland I was hitching down to Willie Clancy week because I heard about that just go there Rob you know and this guy picked me up a guy called Mark Gregory and he's a fiddle player and a guitarist and lives in Fecal in East Clare. So he picked me up, he said, where are you going? I'm, I'm going to... And he was sort of asking questions. And I said, he said, oh, and why did you come here? I said, oh, I want to meet Paddy Canny. <laughs> and he said, you want to meet Paddy Canny? See, yeah, I've got a record of him, I love it, you know, like this. Oh, you imagine yeah. 17. Yeah. And he's just going... So then he does a detour, right? We're driving down this road, and there's a gate open. He goes, "There's Paddy Canny." <laughs> so Paddy Canny's in the farm. Yeah. And I went, and you know, I was a bit kind of starstruck. Wow, this Paddy Canny, huge hands, 
big massive handshake you know I've got big hands but massive hands so then we went to Willie Clancy Festival and after that he heard I was um, I've got a gardening background horticulture fruit and he said dear um, I'll take you up to my friends do you want a job I was like yeah so they were rebuilding an old farmhouse and doing all the grounds around in fecal so I stayed and worked there bed and board but there was a time when um, PJ PJ Hayes was playing and Joe Ban um, and these you know just wonderful they were amazing players and and nothing about it too you know just but you could you could there was you know peppers on a Wednesday leaners on a Thursday and there was a lot of music they could just walk down and so f- were you a, were you a bit of a novelty for a while? No, really. I just yeah. no, I wasn't. That's the great thing. They didn't, you know. It's just yeah, they didn't treat me any differently or yeah. or anything like that that time. Um, and I got on great with PJ, you know, um, and also Joe Ban. I teamed up with him as a whistle player. Teamed up with him and um, and I met Martin Rochford. And one time I heard Paddy Canny and, and PJ Hayes playing together only the once, but that, that blew my mind. Where would you, where would you have placed yourself um, in development in your fiddling at that stage? So you're 17, were you advanced? No, I wouldn't. Um, Intermediate advanced. I would say that I was pretty... Uh, an, a naive fiddle player I would say um, very steady too too steady you know um, in ways and too too sweet I would say and not an, probably not enough dance in there and um, and that, and PJ was great for that because the standout thing of him was the rhythm was just the Tala Kelly band you know mm-hmm. Incredible, and uh, Mick had great rhythm too. But these are all the things that um, later on Mick, you know, would have told me, told me as an adult. Yeah, they were all the things that were, that were, that were your flaws in your playing. You know, because you got to. The important thing is to be very objective about your playing and know your strengths and your weaknesses. Because if you don't know your weaknesses, you can you can't. Mm. Prove them. Jeez, it's a testament to Mick again to be able to see it and not say it and let you grow. That's it. That's it. Jeez. Yeah. So and the, the timing is everything. So yeah, East Clare. I spent um, two summers there of about well, the first summer probably four or five months. Went over to London for the winter because someone said to go to London. Warmer, get a job there. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, is it tourism or buildings? Buildings, right? So, so you were going from fruit horticulture to construction. Yeah, well, I was well. I was sort of doing a, a fair bit of um, labouring, building the, the farmhouse, but I was also doing groundwork. Um, you know, for garden beds and landscaping, mm-hmm. really. Um, and then I went to London and then I went back the following summer and um, went back to Fecal again and stayed another four or five months. Yeah. Um, and then in that time, I had been up to... I went up the country from up to 
South Sligo Fiddle School and Drum Shambo and up to Dolly Gall. I met Jamesy Byrne um, up there and went back down. Uh, but in the South Sligo Summer School, I met a um, great friend of mine, a guy called Junior Davey, and he was playing with a, um, a fiddle player called Declan Follin. And Declan just really stood out, like, you know, and they they asked me to play and, and Junior said, you and my dad have to meet. Right. Like, bang, you know, you have to meet. So, again, so I said, oh, but I'm going. I promised uh, Mick that I would go up to Donegal. You know, I don't even know where Donegal is. I've got to meet this fella called James Byrne. <laughs> but when I'm coming back down, I'll come and yeah. say hello. <laughs> <laughs> was only this hitting home that how no, crazy it was? No, no, no. Yeah. And in fact, when I was hitching up to Donegal, you never believe who picked me up on the road to uh, to Teelan or Carrick was uh, Dermot Byrne's dad. And so I'm chatting away, and he said, "You're like you're well." There's, and he said to me, "There's only one fiddle player in these words that you want to meet in Donegal, which is you know, yeah. I probably should say, but he meant it in it, you know." Yeah, yeah. Was James Byrne, and I was like, "Well, yeah, that's um, Mick told me to go and see James Byrne." But rewinding a bit, actually, this is very is when the very first time I was down in Mick's house um, after the session in Sean's. Uh, Mick t- said, now, now, Rob, I'm going to tell you something now. If you ever tell anyone else, you know, you're... I was like, okay. So he said, well, what... And he told me the full story of the family. But when Mick moved to London, he figured out a method to avoid notoriety and all everything that goes with that. Oh, you know, you're one of the... You rallied to Johnny, and he couldn't just go and play his tunes and be left alone. That and so he denied it. So he said, oh, "No, no, there's nothing to me." And when he came out to Australia, he did the same thing. So when the record out west came out through the National Library of Australia yeah. with all the history, oh, it's been had a two-hour conversation with Sean saying, "Well, no, he actually is one of that family." And said, "Oh, no, he's not. No, he's no, he's not." Like this, you know? <laughs> Sean was where I'm blind. He yeah. wasn't. Fantastic. And so it was 86 before Mick, um, and all the history, four hours, five hours of it is in the National Library of Australia that anyone can access of Mick's interviews with Kevin Bradley. Yeah, right. So it's all there, you know? Yeah, I'll, I'll, actually, I'll do some digging and I think yeah. I'll put some direct links so anyone listening can yeah. go do deep dive. Yep. Yeah. Well, so I, I'm up with James Byrne, you see, and I spent two weeks with him, and he said, and. Uh, uh, where are you going tomorrow night? I'll be in Kilcar, I'll be in Teelan. So I followed him around for two weeks. And um, But early on in that picture, um, funnily enough, I never played any Donegal music in Ireland, which confused a lot of my friends, um, because it's not something that you did down country. You just didn't play Donegal music. What do you, what do you mean by that? Um, well, it did, didn't. It's a different style in it. And it wasn't sort of, uh, it wasn't really, it wasn't a thing that you'd do. So when you were in Donegal, were you hearing it? Like, yeah, when I was up with James Byrne. Mm-hmm. So I, he asked me to play a tune and I played, <laughs> I played the Brazer Mass um, um, into another Highland of mix, just because it just came into my head. 
And then James Byrne said, where did you get that like this? I said, I've got it off me, me mate Mick, you know. Yeah. Mick who? Mick Doherty. Oh, he seems, you know, must be. And then I just went silent because I was like, you know, I can't say. Yeah. And, and James is a gentleman and he... He just knew to back off. But you could see him looking, geez, there's something very strange going on here. <laughs> that is amazing. But he never revisited it. Yeah. You know, but James. He it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so years later, I was up um, Carrick, I think it was again, or, and I saw James again. And this was when I was still living in Ireland. And he asked me to play those two Highlands, you yeah. see. And he goes, oh, um, Mick Doherty, you know, I, he said, I sat on a bag of turf listening to that fella 30 years ago, all night. And um, Mick's favourite field player in Donegal was, was James Byrne. You know, he, he'd say, that was the thing, if you're going to Ireland, you're like, you have to, you have to go and say hello to James. Yeah. <laughs> Busy man. <laughs> but then, so, recounting the story... Um, hitchhike back down to Tabakuri and hitchhike into Gochin in South Stigo and the sun's splitting off the place. It's baking hot. And I hear my name called. It's a one-horse town in Gochin, you know. I hear my name and I turn around as Junior's on a tractor. <laughs> you tell you, this, he's got a load of stakes. This is the timing of it, you know. Yeah. And he goes, God, jeez, Junior, how are you going? Like, this is Rob. Because I hadn't phoned or anything, you know, because... Yeah. And uh, we were outside Ted's, Ted McGowan's. So we went into Ted's. It's about two o'clock in the afternoon, and that was a, that was the that was the steaks finished for the day. <laughs> yeah. And we had a few tunes, and um, Ted rang Andy. You see, Andy Davy. Mm-hmm. So Andy Andy came down, and again same thing. Sit and listen. Don't play until you've you've got the measure of measure of them where they're at. You know. Yeah. And then we went back to Junior. Junior lived with Andy at that time in the old house. And it was four o'clock in the morning before, you know, Andy pulled out the fiddle. So I hadn't heard him up to this point. And then he played and that was another light bulb thing, same as Mick, like, boom. <laughs> so I ended up spending 10 years and, and we hit it off. And um, I used to go up there every second weekend almost. If we can have a tune, um, that seems like a great place. We have a tune and then we yep. can come back. Yep. Um, do you, I don't know if they're at the tip of your fingers, but the, those two Donegal tunes that you mentioned yeah. before, do you think that would be an option? Sure, yeah. Thank you. 
Again, wow, thank you so much for that. So good. Um, so just in the interest of time, what I might do is actually just ask you about when you come back to Australia, because mm-hmm. I'd imagine 14 years didn't go unmissed in, impression-wise. Yeah, you, oh, is this um, going now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that 14 years in Ireland was, you know, like all my young adult life, and so it was, yeah, it's hard to sort of put that, what that, mm-hmm. you know, into yeah. a... Did you come back many times during it? I came back maybe four or five times, pretty expensive, and mm. I came back when I could. Did mum and dad go out ever? They came over once, yep. Yeah, my brother came over. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was... Um, I I was very... I f- like feel very fortunate to get to meet that older generation of players when I did. Yeah, you know? incredible. Um and I sort of caught the last 10 years of them, if you like. So did you and spend most of your time in their company while you were there? As yeah. much as you could? As much as I could, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I was all up living up and down the West Coast. And so I used to... I, I liked them as people. And uh, music was part of that. But it wasn't, you know... Was they the, were friends. Yeah. 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 Was there a, a moment where you cottoned on to how lucky you were what you were in the middle of because as you become a young go from a young man to a, in your mid-twenties a lot of those things start to drop the thing is still dawning on me but um, when I came back to Australia it was a um, a real sort of turning point and, and one one night in particular I was driving back from Mix and I you know stopped the car and I kind of went actually my best mate, he's living down the road, he's this... I was able to separate the friendship from the resource, and I went, this guy is like... This guy's amazing, you know, like... And I, so I um, went all out to try and get all the... as much of the music that I could as... and. So was that the moment when... almost the moment in time when the album of um, his tunes started to come together? Exactly, yeah. And then J.P. Sweeney, who's a, the great, great fiddle player from Derry, was out here and he was like, oh my God, this, this guy has to be recorded. So he contacted Kevin Bradley in the National um, Library of Australia, who's here this weekend, actually. <laughs> and Kevin was onto it like a flash, you know, and he... So he flew us over for the National Folk Festival a few days before. Did some interviews, did some playing. He flew us out twice, and then we and then I recorded. Started. Um, I got the I got a Zoom recorder and started recording Mick and down in the shed yeah, as right. much as I could. So what age was Mick at this stage? Um, he was well. He was eighty six when the Out West album came out. Yeah. So. Um, and it was probably about a couple of years before it came out that I was, you know, trying to... And it was then that Mick sort of started saying saying to me slowly, but then more and more that, you know, I'd like you to sort of tackle some of the more difficult music in the... In Donegal, whereas when I was a kid, I was just kind of, you know, going around. I used to play them, but... Um, 
and then I that's when I started delving into the style before that I didn't really play Donegal music I played the tunes but I still don't I, I don't know what to play but you know I wouldn't define myself as a Donegal player by any means mm-hmm. um, I'm not a, um, but I play a few of the Donegal tunes and I love the music but I don't have a huge repertoire at, at all so it sounds like Mick really from the small bit you've told me about him, but this seems like one of the first time he's now putting the lean on on you to to refine some of those things he wants them to start coming out of you yeah yeah so exactly he put the put the lean on me you have the chat around the kitchen table not in the shed and the forward lean is on you <laughs> and he, and he's and the the eyes are looking right through you <laughs> So you, there's no escape. So what was the process like? Well, that sounds it's an, like it was intense. No, in a good way. Yeah, yeah. But there was a a new um, a new level that needed to be reached. Yeah, yeah. Like um, when we went over, when Kevin brought us over to the to the national, that was, you know, I was telling Kevin about it about six months before. If I didn't go down every week, you know, if I missed a week, he's like, you know. There could be some good fiddle players over there, Rob, you know. You want to be ready for them. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, oh, Mick, it's not a boxing match, you know. Yeah, you know, yeah, you, you wanted, he wanted you yeah. to ring ready always. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, that, and that sort of grew in intensity as he, as he kind of got older in a, in a very subtle way. But, you know, you, you know someone that well, you know what they kind of ask and what they want. Mm-hmm. And so I um, started practicing again, you know, because <laughs> we tend to just play. How many, um, what kind of repertoire were you looking to bring to the table? In the, well, in the it's a small number of tunes, but what you do with them, and then you can transfer that over. So my thing now is to um, maybe go and learn a lot more repertoire with what Mick taught me. Yeah, so same as Andy. Like, I spent 10 years with Andy, but he only really... We honed in on 20 tunes uh, in that period. Really? Yeah, and that what you learn in all that 20 tunes, refining, 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 and all the different ways you can play it, then transfers to all the other tunes. Yeah, of course. So so you kind of go for the source tunes, the cornerstone tunes, if you like, and then you learn them, and then it's like you've learned 50 tunes. So what was your process with Andy? Like I know it's a long time, but mm. for 20 tunes, there must have been something that reoccurred. Well, what his trick was that he'd play a, an amazing version of a reel, and you'd um, break your back learning it, go away down to Cork, where I was living at the time, um, and spend two weeks learning it and come up and he'd play it completely differently and the new version was just as good as the old version. (laughs) So what he was doing was completely, continuously moving the goalposts and trying to get you inside the music rather than copying him and like they'd always say, find your own method. And um, Sean was the same and Mick Mick was the same. It's the same methodology that he's using on you. Yeah, yeah. So find, find your own method. But if don't copy me because it's not how you're built, it's not your mm-hmm. you've got to play your own. And in fact all if you think about all them the amazing thing about the diet is just um, they all played very differently and they're all from the same, you know. Yeah. Very, very different. Is it you, you teach at yeah, the moment. Yeah, a bit. 
do you bring or how do you how do you approach the everyone's different but I try and do the same thing like um, I start off and just as much as you can just simply play that's it and and then that copying without analysing you know it's just simply copying um, and that works by far the best no really ex- um, and then for, for adults it's different because then you have to explain things a bit uh, a bit more because I've got an adult brain and um, you might go more into the the mechanics of the fiddle playing bit like mix thing and that family was the floating bow how do you get the the, the bow to um, how do you use a lot of distance on the bow a lot of travel on the bow to create a big sound with no pressure yeah so that's the floating bow that throws the sound out of the fiddle and you're not clamping it into into the fiddle mm-hmm. um so yeah um but but no no two people learning would be the same so just starting out just playing tunes together is and then you gradually get a sense of what they and what would they need when you were when you were um recording with mick how would he impart the the i'm trying to find the word for it it's the the nuances the, the tiny little things that would need to come out to bring the style in a bit more he kind of he kind of didn't we just played you know again it was that he played you try and replicate yeah yeah um i mean uh i was kind of way out of my depth when i uh, first came back from ireland playing with mick and that, that out west album i'm i'm kind of only on it because mick wouldn't have done it on his own mm-hmm. so my role in that was like a ghost fiddle player if you like yeah. and i was still very much in the sligo claire style which which i still am i i like to you know mix and match mm-hmm. <laughs> and um and i was still in the process of getting my head around this this borrowing that mick did more or less when we made that out west and since then i've felt like i've got more and more into it yeah um, um and yeah does that make sense yeah absolutely mm. so then when you ended up recording with mick how big is that archive uh well it's about five hours of interviews and the Out West album is, I think, is about 29 tracks, but they're all short tracks, you know, because yeah. Mick often just played one real stop, one real stop. So they're all minute long. Yeah, right. You know, and sometimes you might get two tunes out of it. <laughs> That's actually one of the things I really enjoy about your playing is you go around a few times. I'm a big fan of the longer. Um, right. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you get into more corners. I don't yeah. know. But then I suppose the shorter the shorter style is often leaves you hanging from walking yeah. for more. Yeah, you can, um, you can do that. Um, Suspense. <laughs> yeah. Rob, thank you so much for taking time out today. To yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Is there anything that you, uh, I've missed? It? Um, no, just I was just thinking there about the, what Mick. Um, uh, um, after we did the Out West album, I said about trying to get Mick to play on his own for the thing of getting a solo album of him, and that was very hard to because well, why aren't you playing? You know, why would I play on my own? And he'd play for two bars and then stop. Okay. So I took quite a few years, and I managed to collect enough 
we think, enough takes of Mick playing on his own, and that's going to be released by the Northern Field players. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I think I'd, I maybe you had time, but I'd missed mm. how important it's that is. Very exciting. Yeah, and they're going to re-release the the Out West album brilliant. in 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 Ireland. So that's kind of what's um, the timeline on that? this summer? Apparently, brilliant. Mm. So the important things are people listening to keep abreast of what we spoke about. There's a lot in there. And normally, what I would do is fill the show notes with anywhere that people can either buy your CDs, follow what you're doing follow-up anything that we're talking about so where, where are some of the best places to to find you well this is the 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 out west and the um the the mick solo album is not not a commercial venture in any way and that the northern fiddle place is doing that and then they put that into a kitty and that just goes into um you know traditional music whatever they want to um they brought out a double album of um Concassity and they did the James James Byrne album, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's all through the Northern Fiddle Players. Northern Fiddle Players. Mm-hmm. And then for anyone that wants to see what you're doing or follow it, if you're a website that they should check. Yeah, out. my brother's done a website and it's quite just, a beautiful website. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah I. I was pretty impressed. And that is, it's robertzelinski.com.au? Yeah. Uh, just Robert Zelinski Music. Music, that's right. Yeah. So I'll have all this in the show notes for anyone that's listening again with any other links that we can we can get in there. Um, again, thank you so much. If we could go out on a, a tune, that would be amazing. Oh, yeah? yeah. Where do I... Um, Sligo tune, or what do you want... You're the master. I'm, I'm happy to listen to whatever you're willing to play for us. I'll do a couple of jigs because I haven't done jigs. Brilliant. Thank you. 
The word treat is overused on this podcast, it but is. yet again, I'm here with no other word. So, um, we're recorded in a church in Queens. Yeah, so you probably have, the interview itself, you can probably hear there's a bit of reverb, and that's from the actual room itself. So it's just a very old church in Queenscliff. We were the only two people in there sitting in the corner, and to have someone of the caliber of Rob sitting just across from the microphone and filling this room with just gorgeous sounds it was a it was a treat and i think listening back to it during editing you know it, it sounds like it did on the day so thank you so much rob yeah brilliant. um actually we spoke about a few things in there which i should mention because we're gonna try and do pretty extensive show notes this week and by show notes i mean if you're listening on your device on an app it will be within the description if you're on our website it will be when you click on the episode, it drop down opens up. It'll be in there. There's, you know, I could go on and explain what it is on every single app, but we'd be here all all day. Um, on your device, there is something that will say more information or like those three little dots. You're going to need to click on that to get it. We're going to try and get this out there as much as we can because there's a lot of really juicy stuff in here. So the Out West CD that uh, Rob and I speak about has incredible liner notes which were created by kevin bradley of the national library in canberra they are fantastic and they take you into some of the other parts of the story which you know i think mick's story is so huge we were never going to be able to get it all into an hour no matter how much we try um kevin did a great job of um condensing them into four or five pages in that booklet Luckily, at the festival, Kevin was there, so I had a chance to ask him, would it be okay for us to share some of the liner notes with the listeners? Himself and Rob were more than happy for us to do that. Not only that, but during the interview where I mentioned linking to the archive recordings of Mick, we're going to put all those up as well. So if you're like me, which I imagine many of you will be, there are five hours of deep dive to be done which to me sound like an absolute treat. I think some of those, um, some of the stories about Mick's time at war, uh, his relationship on and off with the fiddle in London and then in Australia, he goes into all that detail in there. So all of that stuff will be in the show notes. Rob was taking part in the Boxwood Festival, which was funded in part by Culture Ireland, promoting Irish arts and culture worldwide. Thanks again, Rob, for taking the time. And Darren was going to say something about one of our patrons. Well, actually, it's good that you're mentioning funding. Um, one of our patrons, Pete from uh, Pennsylvania, yeah, Northeast Pennsylvania, got in contact with us via um, Patreon, and I just I love this email. He's a livestock farmer, and I, I love the idea of that. We're giving that hour, hour and a half interview and he's driving around in those fields. I, I have this image in my mind of what Northeast Pennsylvania looks like. I have no idea in reality, <laughs> but what I've got in my mind is gorgeous. So Pete, thank you so much for becoming a patron. Thank you so much for the lovely email. All the rest of the p- people that went over to Patreon the last few weeks and have gone over since the start of this podcast. Thank you so much. Really we could not do this without you. You are the people that will make this happen. So thank you so much. If you'd like to be one of those legends yourself, please head over to patreon.com forward slash Balarney Pilgrims. Right. I think that's it. That's it. Thanks again, Rob Zielinski. Good luck. 
Hi, my name is Pietro. Please become a good subscriber to the podcast. Thank you.